Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And it's rankings day. The top 24-7 is out. The top 247 prospects in the country. New five stars, final five stars. This is it. The All-Star Games are in the books. National Signing Day is eight days away. The second National Signing Day, the, the, the final one. And uh, and and we're going to discuss all that. We we are we're going to jump right into that. We're going to uh, feet first. We we've got it all, and we're going to talk about the guys that for two. Now listen, let me explain this real quick for those that may be casual followers of what we do. There there's the two four seven sports composite, which is a a uh, a combination of three different site rankings: ESPN, Rivals, and twenty four seven sports. Then there's the 24-7 rankings. Those are what we're going to talk about today. Those are the ones we control as a network, the ones that our evaluators, who I feel like are the best in the business, Barton Simmons, Charles Power, all of those guys, they do a phenomenal job. Steve, Steve Wiltfong, not only are they recruiting insiders, but they, they see these guys, they study the film, they, they do all of it. And so they, they come up with – they come up with the own rankings and then that factors into the composite with two other networks and that's kind of the, the difference between the two uh but but today we're talking about the top 24 7 247 prospects in the country and uh uh th- there's there's a lot to get to here because Georgia's going to finish uh according to the in-house rankings at 24 7 sports with three five-star prospects one uh one two in the top 10 and then, uh, and then one right there, kind of toward the end, uh, who who is who left the sign. And we're going to go ahead and start first here, and and kind of we, we've got some, you know, discussion here from Charles Power and and, and Barton Simmons on each of these guys. And uh, going to toss it over real quick to uh, to to Barton and uh, and Charles and and something they recorded earlier this week, talking about five star cornerback, number one cornerback in the country, Keely Ringo. Um, I'll let you take the lead here on, on Keely Ringo. So Keely Ringo comes in at number seven, um, our, our, our top cornerback in the country. And, and I feel like he was a guy that you were pretty excited about and, and kind of on the table for as a top 10 guy in this class after all American bowl. Yeah, I, I thought uh, it, was, it was really my first time seeing Ringo um, at, at all American bowl. And you, know, you kind of come in with these things. You try to come in with a blank slate for everybody. And, but uh, you know, you, that's a little hard to do, and I so having not seen him before, I, I you know I had seen videos of him in seven on seven at camps, and really wasn't a hundred percent sure. I, like I, I didn't really know what to expect in terms of his his cover ability. We we know he's an elite track athlete. I think he won the one hundred and two hundred meter in in the in the state championships. I think he's he's one of the fastest players in the class on the track, um, and and has really has great size. I think he's like over six feet. Um, so then, so then, kind of seeing him in the context of of covering these elite receivers, you know, he doesn't really do that a ton at high school. Like everybody kind of avoids him, 
Um, and he kind of plays a little offense, which is something you want to see at, at corner. So um, really kind of interested to see him cover. And man, he was, I thought he was outstanding. Like I, he's clearly the top corner in the, in the class to me with how fluid he was, his speed, his, his um, ability to kind of stay in phase. But uh, he, I, I don't really think he got beat much, but like if he got beat up the line, he's so fast. Like his makeup speed is, is elite. Um, so he was really, I, I thought o- over the course of the week, um, going to both games, I thought cl- far and away the top corner. And he's a guy where his physical traits are such to, to I, I think he has a really high floor as, as kind of a NFL draft type of prospect. Um, and he's only going to get better um, kind of once he gets to focus on, on his technique and, and whatnot um, at, at Georgia. And I, I think it, it, it's in, indicative, like if you just watch the, the All-American Bowl, he didn't get thrown at one time. Like the other team knew, like they're like, man, like we aren't going to even go at him because he's not going to really give up, give up much. So I think, um, you know, he's, he's one of the better cornerbacks in the last couple cycles to me, um, the clear one in, in this class. And, and that kind of makes him a top 10 prospect. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, just the, the athletic traits that you talked about, I mean, specifically, this is a kid that runs a 10, 400 meter dash, which is, so he's one of the fastest players in the country, and he also happens to be one of the bigger corners in the country. And so, it's it's yeah, it's like easy to see him just sort of have a, because you never really know on DBs like hey yeah. maybe they give it in like but but I, I could you could see him having a very ho hum, mediocre career and then just and be like a top and, ten pick yeah worst case scenario like he still like flashes a little bit as a senior and blows up the combine he still is, still gets drafted in the first round yeah, that, like, that, that, that's almost like your worst case scenario you're dealing with him you know it's like barring barring health like i, I remember stefan gilmore at, at south carolina really like had a pretty kind of like i wouldn't say lackluster but it, it was it was not he was not really known for making a ton of plays really at, at, as a corner at south carolina he might win the you know, he was a top, I guess, maybe top 15, top 10 type of pick and might end up being NFL defensive player of the year. So, yeah, corners always a little tough with how they project. But but I think the NFL draft usually kind of shows us um, really who the best corners are. And I think Ringo definitely is that in this class. All right, Rusty, going to throw it to you here real quick, man. What are your thoughts on Keely Ringo? Big. You know, seeing him and uh, I saw him at the Adidas, all uh, the Adidas National Championships last March. Uh, spent a week with him in Texas, what, three weeks ago in San Antonio. Dude's big. Dude's a, what, 10, 400-meter guy, uh, fast. You know, I don't do NFL comparisons. I just don't I just don't like to do that. But with him, his size and speed, and I have to be very careful with this, kind of gives me that Patrick Peterson vibe. He is a big, big corner. I mean, this guy's. Well, I think it was 200 pounds or 203 or 204 pounds, I think, six foot one uh, out there. But, you know, when you look at these corners, uh, you know, one thing, I, they're always on the island. Can they play man to man? If you're going to play at Alabama, if you're going to play for Kirby Smart, you're going to play at LSU, you're going to play at Clemson, these places, you're going to play man to man. Very seldom you're going to be dropping and backed up way off the line of scrimmage. You're going to be in somebody's face, pressing. Uh, that's just the way they do it. And, uh, he is a very, very confident player, very, very sharp, very polite young man, very quiet. Got to spend some time with him. Uh, and, and just, uh, you know, he's coming to Georgia, and I say this in a, in a very um, professional way. He's coming here on business, and he's coming here that he's going to be three and out. He's got a goal to play in the NFL. He thinks Kirby Smart, Dan Lanning, 
Charlton Warren, those guys can polish him, get him ready. Uh, but just a great kid. But, man, is he big in person, and that kid can flat out run. Uh, I have no hesitation in saying that Kitty Ringo is going to be a very, very good football player at the University of Georgia. Kit, what's your assessment of him? It's just, uh, I don't want to use the term no-brainer, but just, just physically speaking, like Rusty said, 6'2", 205 pounds, a, a 10 40 guy. The physical traits were obviously there to begin with, but one thing that kind of stands out is, you know, he, he started out as a wide receiver, and he's made that adjustment to cornerback uh, the last two years of his high school. So we kind of really kind of watched him blossom into this this incredible talent, and you look at that Army All-American Bowl, or the All-American Bowl, excuse me, still getting used to that, the All-American Bowl, nobody threw to him in that game. I mean, he didn't have any real stats in the game because the quarterbacks, the opposing quarterbacks, just didn't even look his way. And that's the biggest sign of respect you can have as a cornerback. I mean, at the high school level, these guys are all the best of the best. These are the elite prospects in the 2020 class, and and they didn't even think about throwing to Killy Ringo. I mean, it says a lot about what they know about him as a talent and what he sh- showed that week in San Antonio, that he is a guy that is going to get up and be able to play man and most of the time is going to win that battle. So th- they don't want to put that ball up in the air for him because you know he's going to make a play on it and potentially get a turnover. So I think it's it's kind of scary to think about the potential of what he could be in a couple years You know, after getting – you know, learning to play the position even more because he's got the speed. He's he's definitely physical. He's got all the tools in the arsenal uh, in terms of being able to apply press coverage and, and you know just being able to, to turn his hips and and you know to mirror the other team's number one receiver uh, and, and getting out of those breaks and 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 just really locking down one side of the field. I think that's. That's huge, and as as Kirby Smart continues to try to stack that secondary, that's definitely been a focus, and it's something that, you know, we you look at what Georgia brings back this year in the secondary, you know, with guys like Richard LeCount, Tyson Campbell, DJ Daniel, you know, uh, Eric Stokes. You add a guy like Keely Ringo to that group, it's it's just really impressive, and you know, it's it's a recruitment that doesn't get talked a lot, but Georgia got. Keely on campus multiple times in the spring and over the summer and, and really kind of, I mean, for the most part, locked them up. So there were teams, Oregon, Texas, you know, they continued to push, but they really were not able to gain any ground on, on Georgia. And it's it's a storyline that's kind of gotten lost a little bit. And in Georgia now, you know, potentially having another top three class is the fact that Kirby Smart, Charlton Warren, you know, locked up the number one cornerback in the country without, uh, you know, a huge, a huge battle. A lot of these five stars, we, we talk, we write a bunch of stories about how, you know, it's coming down to the wire. It's anyone's guess. Keely Ringo was one that really felt comfortable in Athens early on in the cycle. And for the most part, you know, Georgia, they got that momentum early on and did not let up. So it's just really impressive and um, has to be, you know, really exciting for Charles Rowan just knowing that, He's bringing that kind of talent into a secondary that already has a lot of talent on board. I'm glad you mentioned that, Kip, because that secondary room is loaded. And when you start talking about Jalen Kimber, who is a top 100 guy for us as well, um, 
two big additions. You got Major Burns, who's already on campus. I mean, they are absolutely that Georgia staff is loading up the secondary. And and one thing that's interesting to me about Ringo is for those that don't follow recruiting closely or you don't watch a lot of film, it's almost like he's a mix of Tyson Campbell and Tyreek Stevenson. He's got kind of that Tyreek Stevenson-style frame where he's not a, just a tall, skinny kid who can run, but he's got that Tyson Campbell-style length and speed. It's really interesting. One of the things I love about you know recruiting teams that recruit defensive backs like that is, let's face it, a 6'2", 6'3", corner is pretty rare especially an elite guy. You've got your Richard Shermans and your Patrick Petersons and, and, and big, you know, big corners like that. But when you recruit a big corner like that, let's say it doesn't work out at corner. Maybe he's a tad stiff or, or he's not a great transition guy or, or he doesn't track the ball very well. Well, then you try him at nickel. And if things don't work at nickel, then you go to safety. He's not limited in what he can do in the secondary. And I think that's huge whenever you, re- you, you recruit a guy like Keely Ringo uh, another guy inside the top 10, uh, you've got Jalen Carter at number nine. By the way, I don't think we mentioned it, Ringo, number seven. Jalen Carter, number nine, second year in a row, Georgia has signed a five-star defensive lineman. Let's hear what Charles and, uh, and Barton have to say about Jalen Carter. At number nine um, is our second defensive tackle on the board. Uh, this is kind of really one of my favorite guys in this class, Jalen Carter, the Georgia signee, who – like, I, th- I think when you look at, I mean, hey, let's go straight to Georgia. I mean, when you look at Trevon Walker and the kind of freshman year he had and, and the expectations that are emerging for him, um, and you look at his high school profile and, he, you know, a three-sport athlete, a played middle linebacker as a senior, like, I really believe that athletic versatility is, isn't just reserved for, for tight end and some of these other positions. Like, defense alignment who can – who can move and 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 who understand sort of the the dynamic flow of a game and 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 have the instincts that are honed playing different sports, different positions, whatever. I think Count and Jalen Carter is that guy. He played. I think this is his first year really playing defensive tackle. He was like a tight end H back before that for a Popco, which plays sort of a single wing offense. He's you know you can kind of troll Twitter and find some videos of him like Tomahawk Duncan at like 300 pounds on the basketball court. He's just played. And, and then when you get him in actually at defensive tackle, the leverage he plays with the natural power that he plays with the physical hands that he shows. Um, I mean, I think this kid is special and I'm, I'm, I was glad we were able to get him in that top 10 because I, I wouldn't shock me if this kid ends up being a top three guy by the end of this process. And, and I think he's really emerged as a guy that, we've grown confidence in as the more we've seen him because early in the process, it was just limited exposure to him. Yeah. And, and really like great week at Under Armour. He was probably in the game, the most dominant player. He was in the backfield uh, really almost every snap kind of just whipped the other teams off interior offensive linemen. Uh, really it was, was one who got better as the week went on. Um, he was maybe didn't have the first day of, of uh, Jervon Dexter, but Throughout the, like throughout the rest of the week was probably the 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 best defensive tackle just in terms of performance and like you said just the the power the leverage uh, quick explosive plays really hard I think he's like also like maybe like a state weightlifting champion he's just right. a guy who kind of has has everything going for him 
Um, and yeah, like I'm, I'm with you. He's, he's, he's a really tough to block for, for opposing offensive linemen with kind of his leverage, quickness, uh, and, and strength. All right. We heard the comments about him being raw as a defensive lineman. He played tight end last year, H back, not, not in 2019, but in 2018 dominates as a senior, uh, Kip going to go to you first on this one. What are your thoughts on Jalen Carter as a prospect? Seeing him down in in Florida, uh, I, I was extremely impressed. Just physically, uh, he is one of the strongest defensive linemen I've ever seen, and it, it just it, it seemed like as the week went on, he got better and better. And, and in the game, I thought he was the best defensive lineman in the Under Armour All American game. Just uh, he was dominating the line of scrimmage, and I mean, all. Every other rep, it seemed like he was whipping the offensive lineman in front of him, disrupting plays over over the course of that game. Just really, you know, one of the one two mo- most impressive performances from that game. And just physically speaking, he's just there's no bad weight on him. He's he's like one big muscle. So I mean, whether he's six three, six four, you know, three hundred, three hundred five pounds, it, he's he's just built, you know, like a brick house. He's just got, and he's got incredible. Uh, body quickness and, and is learning to play with leverage and getting better in that in that area. I think that um, you know you start looking toward those player comparisons and I, the Deron Payne one really sticks out to me. Just a guy with that you know the, no no bad body weight on him and, and just winning with power coming out of high school, but also having that that ability that explosive first step that's going to translate well. To the, to the college game and just knowing that last year was his first year playing defense for full time and having that, you know, that that upside to know that once he continues to master his craft and, and, and learn to play that position, the, the sky is the limit there. And then, you know, like you said, pairing that with, with what they have on the team right now with Trevon Walker, it, you just have to look and, and know that you know, this is what Trey Scott's been kind of building toward. His defensive line was very, you know, senior heavy, had the rotation last season. But getting these kind of guys in your rotation, these guys who can be consistent, disruptive players, and you can win, you can be disruptive with potentially just a three-man front or, you know, a four-man front with a stand-up linebacker, uh, it's it's – bodes well for Georgia's defense moving forward. It definitely bodes well for Trey Scott as he looks at that resume and as he's trying to build that up and continue to, to be known as a guy who develops D-line ta- talent and potentially sends it on to the league. This is definitely one of those guys where, you know, three years down the road we, we could be looking, you know, at, at one of the first or uh, top two defensive linemen coming on the board just because of the, the, the physical upside that he presents and how productive we've already seen him be at the high school level. Rusty, you you appreciate dudes on the defensive line. You you kind of enjoy defensive line play. Uh, how excited would you be as a Georgia fan knowing that in 2021 you've got a junior Trayvon Walker at defensive end and a sophomore uh, at three technique and, uh, and Jalen Carter? Tell you what. Um, yeah, you start looking at that and how special uh, of of talent those two young men are. You know, we can we could have another whole podcast on what Clemson is doing uh, defensive line recruiting wise. But you look at Georgia as well; they've 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 hit on some guys, and 
Uh, there's just not many guys out there when you look at Trayvon Walker, his body type, athleticism. But Jalen Carter, I mean, shoo. I mean, Georgia fans, uh, I think there's more sexy positions. There's quarterbacks and there's running backs and there's wide receivers and tackles and, and all these things you look at and corners. We go back and look at this class without hesitation right now. If I had to bet my house on it, when you go back and look at this 2020 class in a couple of years, this will be the first guy drafted out of this class for Georgia. And I have no hesitation in that because he is an elite defensive tackle, athletic guy uh, coming over from a tight end position, kind of just blew up as he moves over into the defensive line. And um, look, I'm, I'm going to do two today, which is, so unlike me in an NFL comparison. He's bigger already, but I saw a guy play in the Georgia-Florida high school game in 1991 when one of my high school teammates played. I went to Orlando, went to Citrus Bowl, watched it. I watched this big jumbo guy running around at tight end and thought, man, that's a big dude. Well, it wound up being Warren Sapp, who wound up moving over to defensive line as he got to, to Miami. Um, but when you look at Jalen Carter moving from tight end over to D-tackle, uh, coming from Florida, you know, he's a 6'3", 295-pound kid. Kept seeing him in person. Everybody I talked to, and that's including outside this Georgia circle, everybody said this kid's a superstar. Um, you know, we cover – we've all covered elite players here. I think every one of us knew that Derrick Brown was going to be damn good no matter where he went. And Derrick Brown's going to be a top-10 NFL pick. If Jalen Carter stays the path, no injuries, uh, develops even further. This guy's going to be a top 10 NFL pick. I, I, I'm just telling you, he is that special. Uh, he can be that guy. He's got a long way to go. But those physical attributes, uh, being twitchy, being able to make a move inside, being able to just basically forklift an offensive lineman when you need to, uh, he, he's special. And, I, you know, if you follow me for a long time, I, I try to be a little bit cautious and not put too much on kids. But, Georgia fans should be through the roof about Jalen Carter because he is going to play day one in Athens. He may not start, but somebody right now in Athens is about to lose some of their minutes because this kid's going to be on campus and he's going to be a stud. Absolutely. And and what stands out to me about him is, is something you guys mentioned, and that's just the quickness. I think Georgia has kind of lacked that at the three-technique position. Tyler Clark did a really good job. Devontae White does a good job. I think Jalen Carter is on a completely different level in terms of just raw talent. Uh, he, he's not just uh, a big body there and a big powerful body, but he's really quick. He's quick laterally. He can split gaps, and, and he's one of those guys that can put you in, in second and 14 or second and 12 uh, in the run game uh, when, when, when a team tries to run it on first down and make it second and six. Uh, he can turn, he can flip that script on you pretty quick, and those guys are really, really valuable. Let's take a break real quick, and on the other side, we're going to talk about Georgia's third five-star, according to 24-7 Sports, and and uh, get Rusty and Kip's take on it, as well as Barton and, uh, and, and Charles Power. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Broderick Jones, already the number 14 player in the country, according to the 247 Sports Composite, moves up 11 spots from number 41 to number 30. Let's hear what Charles and Barton have to say about this guy. Uh, I'd say those 30 or those 29 are probably the ones that we were sort of most um, convicted on uh, or had the most conviction on. The the last three, you know, there's a, there's a lot of names we were jostling around for these final three spots. Um, at number 30, the highest ups, maybe the highest upside guy of, of any of these questionable ones um, a questionable is the wrong word, but but Broderick fringe, Jones, yeah, yeah, yeah fringe yeah. guys. Um, Broderick Jones lands at thirty. Uh, we had some some I think pretty interesting um, internal like debate on on just exactly what we should do with Broderick Jones. Do you do you yeah. want to do you want to kick that off? Yeah. So um, Broderick Jones was one that we really hadn't we we saw him at the, at the Future Fifty this time last year, and he was great. And then, um, you know, just not a whole lot of high school video to go off of. Like, he wasn't, like, really putting out his highlights or anything. Um, so, a little out of sight, out of mind there. We showed to Under Armour, and, man, like, he he's the best offensive lineman there. Uh, I think in terms of his his body and just kind of the natural uh, physical skill set in, in that setting is probably the best in the class. Like, I would take Broderick Jones just from um, – you know, kind of, kind of in that setting, like he looked better than Paris Johnson to me kind of throughout that week, uh, elite length. He's got like a really strong base, um, in, in terms of his, his lower body. Uh, and, and he really kind of shut down like a lot of really, a lot of good edge rushers, um, at, at Under Armour. And, and I think viewed in, it was important. This is, this is why it's so good to kind of have this collaborative process where everybody's kind of giving different perspectives. So viewed in that context of, of the Under Armour week, I kind of came out of there saying I, this guy might be like a top five prospect. Uh, in, in viewing him in that vacuum, I, I still feel like that is fair. But Barton, I mean, you kind of reeled me back in on that, and we're like, well, let, let's let, let, let's dig into the tape. Like, there's obviously a, a lot, you know, that more that goes into that than just this performance. And when we were kind of going through um, doing our due diligence on his on his high school stuff, they're definitely like he he can. There's a little bit to be desired with with his physicality level as a run blocker. Um, I think the upside is still there. It's, it's very yeah. tantalizing, but <laughs> um, but he like maybe compared to a Paris Johnson, um, he is not pr- that level of uh, tenacious and, and embracing contact at the high school level. And ultimately, that like that's that's a key thing you look for for offensive linemen so I, I know you could probably expound a little more on that but I think that's kind of where we landed on, on on him being being at 30 which is which is you know lower than the composite but uh 
you know, I, I, but he's still like, obviously a really, really high upside no, there, uh, offense tackle. Yeah, yeah. I think there's no question that he could be a, a, ultimately land at a top five pick. He definitely has that sort of upside. And that and even on his high school tape, you see that. I mean, just the, the light footed like ability for him to just the way he moves, the, just the, the um, he has that elite athleticism that you don't see very often. But while I say he has the upside to be drafted fifth overall or whatever, he also has a floor to where you don't get drafted at all because there is an element on film when you watch his teammates and you watch him just in the course of a game, how much does he really like this? Like how much, like if, if he doesn't have to engage with anyone, there are times when he just might choose not to. And so I think you have to just sort of factor that into the equation when you're talking about an offensive lineman, because they got to like it. I mean, the mentality is part of it. It's a big right. part of it in that position in particular. And so that, that's just, a, you know, just sort of a safety net we got to make give ourselves uh, when we look at him. And uh, still very much a, an elite upside guy, but, you know, worries me a little bit to go top 10 only because we're just not positive on his demeanor. Right. All right, Rusty. This guy's kind of still left on the board for Georgia. He's not signed, uh, but but give me your assessment of of uh, Broderick Jones. Um, you know, you look at him first and foremost, and you know we crunch all these numbers, and Charles Power is really um, someone that I, you know, Charles is a guy that he's a numbers guy, and there's a lot of NFL teams that are starting to to, to really follow these measurements. You know, Barton's the two-sport guy. You know, really wanting an athlete, a guy that's playing two sports, and Charles is the measurement guy, you know, and he's got numbers to back all this up. You look at Broderick and his length and his current weight, he has so much ceiling left in him. I'm going to compare him a lot with Isaiah Wilson, but they're on different ends of the spectrum, and I mean that they were both raw. If Georgia gets him, Isaiah Wilson come in, I, I would never forget, before Kirby locked down camps, I remember watching him work out at the intramural fields, and this guy was 6'7", 380 pounds. He could barely – now, he looked good for a couple reps, but that, that June mid-morning summer humidity about knocked Isaiah Wilson off his feet. He couldn't breathe. Now, it took him a while to develop and change his body, and change his body he did and he's probably going to be a first-rounder, if not a early second-round pick, in my opinion. You look at Broderick, he is raw. He's got a lot of um, you know growing to do. I think he's got to get stronger. But his frame and his natural athleticism right now, he may not be a year-one starter, but he wind up, may wind up being a very, very high NFL pick in three years. Uh, but you look at his body, I'm, what I'm getting at, he's got so much left in him. He'll be able to carry, Kip's seen it, he'll be able to carry 305, 310 pounds, easy, I mean, easy as it gets. And uh, that athleticism, man, it, 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 they're just few and far between. Um, you know, I looked at some tape. I talked to some teams that played him and uh, just so athletic. And when he gets stronger, and adds more weight in a strength program, goodness gracious. I mean, it is it is why he is this coveted. It is why he's ranked here. Um, he, his ceiling on him is big time. And I think Broderick, uh, I watched him play basketball last year. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing to see a big guy run up down the court and 
you know, drop step baseline, those types of things on the, on the post and, um, impressive, but I, I think that we've got to be a little bit cautious here with him because I think it's going to take him a year in my opinion, but I think his year two and three are going to be off the charts. Good. Wherever he ends up. Kip, what you got on Broderick Jones, man? Yeah, I kind of concur in that regard. And also it's, it's not just the, uh, the, the raw technical aspect of it. I think there's still, there's still some work for him to be done as far as just having that mentality, you know, just, you know, he, I know that Barton loves the two sport guys and, and Broderick is in the middle of a, you know, a highly successful basketball season for one of the best teams in the the state of Georgia and Lithonia. But as far as just the game of football, I think that he's still very early and, you know, maybe the, the love for the game and just having, you know, playing offensive tackle, you got to have just that, that, that different state of mind. And when, when you go for that initial punch, you know, you, you got to have, you know, intentions, very bad intentions. A lot of times you got to, you know, you got to have plans to really put your hands on somebody and, and win that, you know, that physical game, at the point of attack. And I think that that's something that as far as consistently, you know, you look on film and then also during the the week at at Under Armour, that was something that, you know, when the light was on, he looked pretty good. But, you know, there there were plays where you could tell he was kind of just going through the motions. And so it's really something that's, you know, hard for us to project. And so when you're looking at the ranking, you're thinking, well, this guy has – all the physical tools. He has elite length. He's got elite athleticism. Uh, why isn't he, you know, in the top ten on twenty four seven sports? And and that's kind of the the tougher part to to project. And so there's no doubt that Broderick has five star physical talent. It's just you know as that translates to his production on the football field at the college level, you know, especially in the SEC the kind of edge rushers and the defensive linemen he's going to face on a, on, on a snap-by-snap basis, you know, he's going to have a learning curve, and he's really going to have to to dive into that and to to really put himself into that mode of trying to not just master that craft but just be that type of player who's going to play through the whistle, you know, on consistent snap-by-snap basis. And I think that's something that we're still kind of – looking to see from Broderick, you know, as, as they do these final rankings, he's in the, he's in the top 32. He's a five star toward the back in there. And one of the last spots, just be, just because of that physical ability that tells you just the upside that we think he has, he could be, you know, uh, a guy that's three and out, but at the same time, that first year in college, I think it's going to be a little bit of an eye opener for him. And that's when we'll kind of see, which direction he's going to go, how he handles not just that adversity, but the, having to learn to love the game of football and focus on football and, and become a, a potential left tackle because that's the kind of ability he has. He just kind of has to put it all together. You know, it's when you look at the the elite players at any position, the, the biggest determining factor are those elite tools. So with that, Rusty, I, I'm kind of – in the Charles power mode. Like I, I get that. I, I get, you need the elite length and the bend and, and Broderick Jones has it in spades and he has the quick twitch and the athleticism and the change of direction and all that stuff. And so that's a huge indicator, but 
while you know the the basketball may have taken away from his development a little bit, I love it when offensive linemen play that position, play that sport. I just I think he's great for footwork. I think he's great for staying in shape. You know, a lot you you don't see three hundred and eighty pound, and not that Isaiah Isaiah Wilson carried three hundred and eighty pounds as well as anybody you'll ever see, but you don't see three hundred and eighty pound offensive linemen who play basketball. You you just don't. You don't see three hundred and fifty pound or even three hundred and forty pound guys. You know, you that those guys are kind of more normally a little under the three hundred pound range. And and I know Charles has has talked about it at length and has has you know wrote about it at length where a high portion of these big time NFL left tackles or tackles in general were sub three hundred pound guys coming out of high school and Broderick Jones kind of fits that mold probably a little bit more around the 280 to 290 range maybe even a little lighter than that uh because of basketball but you know he he bends so well and and obviously you know that you're if you're a georgia coach you kind of hope that the competition element for a few practices kind of take what kip's talking about and 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 kind of eliminate it because you know if you go out there kind of half step in your first couple practices nolan smith's going to embarrass you Trayvon Walker's or or Malik Herring's going to put you on your back and and uh, you're gonna you're gonna get embarrassed that way. So it's it's a uh, it's one of those things that you see a lot of these guys grow up quick. And listen, that's why Matt Luke gets paid big money to be Georgia's offensive line coaches. Is he's got to get the best football out of a guy like Broderick Jones. Now, will he get a chance to get the 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 best work out of Broderick Jones is another big question. And Rusty, how big is this recruitment? Combining it with Cedric Van Pran, a four-star prospect, top 100 guy uh, for 24/7 Sports, how how do you see his recruitment shaking out? What are you hearing as far as that goes? I mean, it's been you know, me and Kip have been trying to work, and it it gets frustrating for us. It gets frustrating for our members, our board members. Uh, but as a parent, we're all parents here. Understand they pretty much have shut it down and. It's the end of the it's the end of the cycle. I remember going to see Broderick Jones two and a half years ago, I guess, or two years ago when he first popped up, and Georgia offered him. I go see him at the school, get the measurements, get some pictures, profiles up. He's been recruited and covered now for almost three years, and th- these kids are done with this. So we're having to piece together different pieces of information as much as we can get. I did make a mention last night. I thought that was an interesting tweet yesterday when he said, hashtag still committed. I mean, that's a um, pretty powerful message the way I read that. Um, does he show up at Auburn this weekend? I believe he will, but we're going to see. Um, if, if the, obviously, if he doesn't, then then that's the seal of the deal for Georgia. But Broderick is a guy. Uh, Dell McGee is, is, is very much involved here. That's his high school. So Matt Luke coming over. Uh, it's really a, a tag team deal with uh, Larry Porter at Auburn and Rodney Garner at Auburn with Matt Luke and, and Del McGee at Georgia. Del McGee and Matt Luke will do an in-home either Thursday or Friday with Broderick. Not sure yet. Uh, talking to his coach yesterday, that's still undecided. Gus Malzahn will be in-house probably Thursday, and then they'll have him on official visit this weekend. So Auburn's going to get their chance. Uh, but this is a this is a big one because there's only again there's only so many of these type bodies and athletes at offensive tackle. Georgia needs tackles bad. So an in-state kid that's been committed to you now for a long time, you don't want to get in the habit of losing those. Cedric Van Pran, again, we're trying to piece together things, talking to 
I try to get outside the, the, the Georgia circle and try to get into different places and compare notes with people. And that's the power of 24 seven network trying to piece together stuff. And, uh, I think right now Georgia's in a good spot with Cedric Van Pran. Uh, but I think Broderick Jones is going to be one to watch all the way into next week. See if Georgia can hold on to him. There's only so many of these per class. And I think he's got a tremendous ceiling ahead of him. But right now, not doing any interviews. I basically told everybody not to come to the school. Um, he's done doing interviews, and he'll make a decision on signing day, you know, what he, what he's going to do. It's it's kind of crazy because it's one of those things where if you're Georgia staff, this is where the early signing period maybe helps you a little bit because it's a stress-free uh, way to make sure you get to visit guys like Cedric Van Pran, that you get a chance to visit guys like Broderick Jones. There's no visiting multiple prospects in one day. When you have those guys, you're able to kind of get there, spend a lot of time, and you know that this has been a huge focus of every recruiting meeting, every recruiting uh, day, and staying in contact, visiting, all of that stuff uh, for the whole staff. And and that's 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 been a huge priority for Georgia, you know, since the dead period ended, I think, uh, about a couple weeks ago, a little over a week ago, something like that. I think it was around the 16th. So you know that that's been a huge priority. Uh, Kip, what's your read on this situation with, with Jones and Van Pran? Well, uh, I think with Broderick, you know, you got him on campus last weekend. From what we've heard, it, it went really well. I think that meeting – you know, Matt Luke and, and getting to know him better, uh, you know, over the weekend really kind of put George in a good spot right now. But I mean, we, the, the thing is, is that we've seen recruitments go back and forth in the final days when these in home, these final in home visits go. And then you have that, you know, that final official visit. But then after that, you know, they get home, they're trying to catch their breath and, their phones are still blowing up. It does not stop at that point. The recruiting dead period might hit, but that doesn't mean that there's no, you know, contact via message, phone calls. Those are still going on. So with Broderick, uh, I think that, you know, it's it could come down to those messages. If he takes this official visit to Auburn, which as of now, as we record this on Tuesday, we think he still will, uh, then, you know, Gus Malzahn and that coaching staff Larry Porter, the recruiter of record there, that's done a really good job building a relationship with Broderick. And they're going to continue to, to talk to him in the final hours and try to convince him, you know, that that to flip. So I think that right now, I think George is in a good position, but there's still, you know, a lot of work to be done. They have to continue to make sure that Broderick and his family feel comfortable uh, at Georgia and, and with that being uh, his future place. So, you know, right now, I, I would say that, that George is pretty well positioned to keep both of them. I think with Cedric Van Pram, you know, it's something that's a little bit more solidified. Florida obviously pushing there, but I think Georgia has been in a good spot with him for a while. So I think that, you know, I don't think nothing's changed in that regard. Keeping both guys is obviously huge. Uh, Cedric Van Pram, the, the center out of New Orleans, is a guy who also made a huge move you know, inside the the top 100 in the final top 247. And a guy that really impressed in the Under Armour practice. I thought he was by far the best center down there. One of the better interior linemen in, in that game as well. And he's got plenty of experience playing a center. He knows that that's 
his position, and he's very comfortable there. So I think getting a guy like that, huge for Matt Luke as he tries to build his offensive line and, and mold that group for the future. So if you're looking at Georgia's class going into this final weekend, I mean, these are the two guys, the key storylines kind of for Georgia's keeping them both in the fold because they're two top 100 offensive linemen, a group that we're going to see a lot of turnover as far as that 2019 team to the 2020 team. You want to have as many guys in there as possible because you not you have no idea how spring football is going to go and how summer football is going to go. Who's going to show out? Who's going to stay healthy? And you, that's a position where you just never want to be shorthanded. And and obviously with Georgia, they they lost a lot of guys. I mean, they lost their top, you know, their left and right tackle, and they lost Demarcus Hayes, and they lost Cade Mays. That's that's a lot of experience, you know, uh, in the in the tackle position specifically that they lost you know, as well as Solomon Kinley leaving. I mean, they, they got a lot of guys that, that they're having to replace there. I think if you're Matt Luke, you want as much open competition as possible and, and you want to give as many guys an opportunity to impress as you can. And so keeping those guys in the fold is huge, not just for this year, but for f- future depth as well. Rusty, any final thoughts on Georgia and, and how it can finish up this, uh, this 2020 class? I mean, we're 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 the board is always going to have opinions. Um, I I certainly understand. Uh, I just think that people should understand, and I've said this publicly, so I'll say it today. And somebody might take it from another message board. I think that Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and now LSU are continuing to separate themselves from others year after year after year. Now, that doesn't mean they're recruiting and nobody else is recruiting well. But I mean, when you start stacking what they have stacked class after class after class, end of the day, Georgia's not going to have the number one recruiting class this year. Are they going to have a hell of a class? Yes, they are. I think looking forward, anybody that questions Kirby Smart in recruiting is just not really following it. Now, Georgia just finished fourth in the country, had one of the best seasons on paper that they've ever had. They haven't finished fourth many times. You start going back and look at the 100-year history. Now, there was bigger expectations for that team, and I, and I, and I certainly had bigger expectations with my rankings or my preseason projection. Um, but with Georgia in recruiting, I see people on the board, on our, our message board guys, say, listen, I don't, whatever he decides, I trust Kirby uh, in his recruiting. And Georgia just had another ridiculous class uh, 2021, from what I know and what I hear behind the scenes, it's going to be another one. So I know everybody's going to dig into these rankings and they're going to put calculations and do this and do that. People are going to get upset. At the end of the day, when this class gets to campus, Georgia is going to be a better team. And, and to me, if you're a fan of Georgia, that's the most important thing. Georgia is going to be a better football team because of this 2020 class. Kip, what's your final take on uh, how Georgia finishes the 2020 class? I think it's obvious they they want another defensive back uh, in this in this class. You know they they need they they need depth in that area. So I think that there's still decisions being made there. They've had guys on campus still evaluating their options there. You know, a lot of guys potentially out there that they they could be working behind the scenes. And then you know, uh, running back. They just had. Dijon Edwards, the four-star from Colquitt County, 
you know, on campus for an official visit last week and a guy that doesn't get talked about uh, much at all because he doesn't talk much at all, but highly productive in, in you know, in Georgia's toughest uh, classification, it, it, the production he's had for Colgate County and just, you know, his physical ability. And he's an impressive prospect and a guy that can help a, a football team out in, in a lot of ways. You, you look at what Georgia might do under Todd Munkin on offense and, and what he wants out of his running backs as far as being able to, you know, not only uh, get the ball out of the backfield, but also, you know, their ability as a receiver to catch the ball. I think that, that Dijon could really bring something to, to the table for Georgia. So, you know, we think they're going to take another running back this cycle. Uh, and, and if that guy is Edwards, I, I think he brings a lot to the room and he would be a big addition for this class. So not a lot of spots left. You know, keeping the offensive lineman uh, is paramount. Adding a DB and a running back, you know, uh, additional members of the class. Another top three group is probably on deck for Kirby Smart. And I mean, as far as talent acquisition, you know, he's done as good a job as any coach in the country since he came on board of Georgia. And, and that's that's what, all you can ask for. And it puts the Bulldogs again in, in the mix to compete for championships for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. And we'll have it covered for you over at Dogs 24-7. Uh, eight days until uh, these guys are able to put pen to paper again. And we'll see who ends up in this class. We'll see if Georgia can hold on to the two big-time offensive linemen left on the board. But that's all we've got for today. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. You guys take it easy. Mm-hmm.